then. Children of the night, what music they make. They're coming to get you, Barbara. Excellent day for an exorcism. Oh, Kill you all! You don't know what death is. We belong dead. Here's Johnny. <laughs> I shot him six times. On to your butt. Bring for your life. <laughs> Into a new world of parts and monsters. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. My name is Robert, and with me, as always, is Inthea. Hello. How are you, Inthea? Well, a little annoyed, because we're on take two of this episode. Yes, we are doing a take two because the power went out. So here we go again. Yeah, and all our, everything that we had recorded was lost. (sighs) Well... That's okay, because I love talking about this stuff, because we are going back to 1942, and it's one of the Frankenstein sequels, and you know I love Frankenstein movies, and that is Lon Chaney in The Ghost of Frankenstein. The most dreaded creation of man, the monster of Frankenstein, stalks again. With this great cast, Sir Cedric Hardwick, Lionel Atwill, Ralph Bellamy, Bela Lugosi, Evelyn Ankers, Lon Chaney, in the gripping tale of a monster the tomb cannot engulf, chains cannot hold. You didn't know much about Ghost of Frankenstein before we watched it, right? Yeah, no. As you know, we're going through the Frankenstein movies, or the Universal movies, I should say. And the last movie that we saw the monster in was Son of Frankenstein. Mm -hmm. So we know he was kicked into the sulfur pit and... Igor was riddled with bullets. Uh-huh. Now we're on to the next movie, and we'll see what happens. In Son of Frankenstein, they never reveal a second son, right? No. Okay, so this is where we get the reveal of a second son. Yeah. So why don't you take us through it, Anthea? Let's go to the village of Frankenstein and see what's going on. Let's do this. Okay, so we open with a title card over a foggy uh, wooded area. Which is the forest from the Wolfman. Yeah, Wolfman. Yeah. In the opening credits, we see that Lon Chaney Jr. is, or I'm sorry, he's credited as Lon Chaney as the monster. We also see a few people that have returned, or not returned, but they're familiar faces from other films. Yeah, we have several cast members from The Wolfman, which this was produced by George Wagner, who directed The Wolfman. Mm -hmm. And then we also have a couple of actors that are from Son of Frankenstein, Bela Lugosi, for instance, who is returning as Igor. But then we have some other actors who are returning as different characters. Yeah, it got me a little confused because we're seeing these movies and some of these people look the same and... Some people have been in these movies previously, Mm -hmm. and they're back 
playing different roles. Where some of them we'll see are playing the same roles, even though they have died in the previous Which movie. Is bonkers. But <laughs> here we are. So I felt like I was kind of like in this weird Groundhog Day hell dimension. Uh, I just, it took me a second to get into this movie because it was just so confusing. Mm-hmm. But here we go. So we open on the village of Frankenstein in the town hall. The townspeople are meeting there and talking about how the town is cursed. It's the curse. The curse of Frankenstein. The burgermaster and the council are there and the burgermaster tells them that they are being ridiculous. And the townspeople give examples that other villages won't interact with them or do commerce, that they're pretty much being ignored, that they're running out of food, and they're really struggling. And there's one female villager who is so dramatic who just looks teary-eyed into the camera saying, there is no bread. She's so good. There is no bread. (laughs) You feel her pain. And of course, the burgermaster is still on his same BS. He doesn't believe them. He's like, you're all being ridiculous. And I'm tired of the burgermaster coming in. At this point, we're two generations in on this family just ruining this town. And the burgermaster, presumably, is not coming from, you know, they murder one, here comes another burgermaster. It's not like he's coming in from a different town or a different country. Worry, it's... He's gaslighting these people. (laughs) I'm not here for it. They talk about Igor and how he's been spotted or whatever. They think he's at the sulfur pit. And he's playing his horn, trying to summon and lure the the monster out of the pit. Yeah, and one of the villagers, I like, he says, Haven't I seen him sitting beside the hardened sulfur pit, playing his weird horn? And I love it. And I love that it's just really him just sitting there and talking. <laughs> <laughs> playing us. Yeah, it cuts, it cuts to Igor sitting, <laughs> playing his horn. The villagers start to threaten the burgomaster because he doesn't want to comply with any of their requests. And they start to threaten him with replacement. We see some familiar faces. Our good friend uh, Dwight Fry is in here yeah, as a threatening villager. Dwight Fry, who we know from Frankenstein and Bride of Frankenstein and Dracula. Yep. And then we also get the actor who played Maria's dad. And then he played someone that was part of the council that was murdered. And now he's back as the same person. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, Michael Mark, he played uh, Maria's father. And yeah, he was murdered in Son of Frankenstein, but all of a sudden he's here talking about the Frankenstein castle again. And the same thing with another councilman who played the burgomaster in the original Frankenstein. I think his name is Lionel Belmore, but he was murdered in Son of Frankenstein and now he's back with no explanation. And I guess someone had questioned that to Universal at one point when this movie was coming out. And Universal had some excuse for it saying you know people that see these movies they want to spot their favorite actors or whatever some bs reason i think make any sense but i don't know they didn't have home video back then it takes about i guess it would have been three years between son of frankenstein and ghost of frankenstein would people have remembered that those actors were in it no so maybe it just didn't matter to them maybe but they did make a really big deal about them dying in the last movie yeah so, ah, whatever. So the burgomaster just says, you know what, do whatever you want, because he doesn't want to lose his political position. Yeah. Um, and so the townspeople say, we're going to blow up the castle. Yeah, he says, the castle is yours. And Dwight Fry steps forward and says, we'll blow it up. So they march on down to the castle. And then at this point, we get 
great, great music by Hans J. Salter. This rousing music that is just gets played throughout the rest of the Frankenstein sequels, or most notably Frankenstein meets the Wolfman, I guess. And it's just so good, this piece of music. I love it. We see Igor at the top of like the turrets of the castle, and he sees the townspeople coming to the castle to put in the dynamite. So he, of course, naturally just starts to try to kill them, and he's pushing over, like not the turrets, the ramparts of the castle. Yeah, it's very reminiscent of Quasimodo with the Hunchback of Notre Dame. He reminds me of that. He's pretty strong. Yeah. He's just um, kicking him over. and Igor's a strong guy. He might not have the strength of ten men, but maybe two. Yeah. Meanwhile, the villagers are kind of running and ducking, but they're still able to put their dynamite sticks and whatnot charges into the castle. Yeah. And they start blowing it up. So he then takes off through the castle and goes through like an underground passageway yeah. that happens to also connect to the sulfur pit. They don't make a distinction. Because if you remember in Son of Frankenstein, the castle was somewhat far away from the laboratory where the sulfur yeah. pit was. And this castle looks completely different. So it kind of has the castle and the sulfur pit put together now. Yeah, but, it's a whole jumble. You just got to say whatever happens, happens here. So somehow yeah. there's a stick of dynamite that is blown up next to the sulfur pit. And that blows out a retaining wall that is holding the pit. And a little hand, well, I guess a big hand, is um, <laughs> twitching, twitching. Igor sees the uh, the shadow of the hand wiggle. Yeah, and our good friend, the monster, is now unearthed from the pit. Igor digs him out, saying that the sulfur has preserved him and uh, that he'll live forever and cannot be destroyed. The sulfur was good for you, wasn't it? It preserved you. <laughs> this look of the monster in the sulfur, this white, cementy look of, of him, I really like the way he looks here. It's always been one of my favorite images of the monster Mm -hmm. it's interesting it's a look um (laughs) igor leads him out through these tunnels telling them that they'll get past the villagers this way and start walking out towards the country so it leads them to another side of the property that's kind of like into the woods and they head out towards the country As they're walking through, there's a lightning storm and the monster tries to catch the lightning bolts, which Igor is very upset about and tries to stop him because he thinks that it's going to hurt him. Yeah. Uh, It turns out, though, uh, he gets struck by lightning and it strengthens the monster, which then I really love Igor, Igor's purpose. A lot of these things we could figure out Mm -hmm. a few seconds later, but our good friend Igor there is there to explicitly tell us what's happening. Yeah, he says, the lightning was good for you. (laughs) Your father was Frankenstein, but your mother was the lightning. Yeah, he's like super jazzed about this. Yeah, that when the monster gets struck by the lightning, he puffs out his chest and stands up uh, looking really tall and powerful and the music's great and... I like this lightning effect. Yeah. Igor decides that they are going to go see the second son of Frankenstein named Ludwig Frankenstein. He thinks that he can help him. We will go to Ludwig, the second son of Frankenstein. He has all the secrets of his father who created you. We will force him to harness the lightning for you. He will give you strength, strength of a hundred men. 
Come, come, we're going to find Dr. Frankenstein. So we're now wherever Ludwig Frankenstein practices his medicine. Viseria. Viseria? Yeah. Okay. And there's a little placard, and we find out that he deals with diseases of the mind. So he's very much on brand for the family. He has just completed a successful brain transplant with two other doctors, Dr. Bomer and Dr. Kettering. Kettering. Never going to get this. Dr. Kettering. And a younger doctor, Dr. Kettering. Yes. Our new best friend, Ludwig, is played by the evil guy from The Invisible Man Returns. That's right, Sir Cedric Hardwick. And the other older gentleman, because these two men look a lot alike when you aren't really expecting them. Well, they both have a mustache. We do, and everyone with a mustache looks the same. Is the inspector from Son of Frankenstein, the one that had the little wooden arm. Yeah, it's Lionel Atwell who played Inspector Krogh in Son of Frankenstein, this time returning as Dr. Bomer. Yeah, so Dr. Bomer, we find out, taught Ludwig Frankenstein a lot of what he knows. And the two of them have been working on these procedures, but Ludwig has gotten a lot of the fame regarding it. And it's somewhat upsetting to Bomer. Yeah, we don't know if, because Ludwig seems like an honorable person he does. mostly it doesn't seem like he would take credit but maybe because of his name being frankenstein and that he was involved the press just sort of gives him the credit as being the one to discover these things and all that mm-hmm. and bomer's kind of had to take a back seat to it but bomer's upset by this he wants to be in the spotlight yeah. Now we're back with Igor and the monster, and they arrive at the village. This is one of my favorite shots of the movie when they come into Visaria. They encounter a young woman who is leading a little flock of geese. Yeah, and I love the look on the monster as he's watching the geese go by in confusion. I do. I do like him, but I feel like the monster is now at an age where he should... I mean, he was talking up a storm not <laughs> too long ago, so things shouldn't be terribly new to him, but... Here we are. Well, they kind of revert back. Also, where does the monster get his suit from? I guess Igor made a suit for him that looked like the original suit. Because, you know, Igor, in the last movie, Igor had made the uh, vest. A little puffy vest. Yeah. So all of a sudden he has a nice suit again. Yeah. Igor's his tailor. I guess so. Igor's getting directions from this young lady trying to find out where they can find Ludwig Frankenstein. Do you know the doctor? (laughs) Very well. I know his father and his brother, too. The monster, however, wanders away, and he gets distracted by a little girl who is playing with a ball, who is also being harassed by these boys. She's being bullied. They end up throwing her ball onto the roof of one of the buildings. They kick the ball up there. And they get scared off when uh, the monster shows up. Yeah, and I really like the music when he shows up. It's... The little girl turns around to look at him and asks him if he's a giant. Are you a giant? And then she asks if he will help her get her ball down. Yeah, and I love these shots of them together. You get a POV shot from the little girl whose name is Cloestine. He looks like he's 
30 feet tall. Like the camera is placed on the floor, basically. Mm -hmm. And it's looking up at him. And then when it cuts back to the little girl, the camera is placed above the monster's head looking down so you can see how tiny she is. It's very good uh, camera work to make him appear so much larger than life. Yeah, I really love it. He scoops her up and takes her up the uh, steps to go into the building so that they can go grab her ball. Meanwhile, the boys that he had scared away had gone to go get some adults to come help them because they didn't know what was happening. So the adults now see the monster with this little girl who's scooped up in his arms and they assume that the worst. And so um, as he's walking up the stairs, one of the villagers goes up after her and the monster ends up knocking him down the stairs yeah he punches him in the stomach and there's a nice musical note as he punches him in the tummy they make it to the roof of the building and the villagers again think that he's going to kill the little girl and so another villager goes up there to confront him yeah but before that there's a villager in the crowd who has a gun and he's gonna shoot the monster but he's holding the little girl so the little girl's father says like do you want to kill my little girls don't do that Do you want to kill my child? He ends up throwing that villager off the roof. Yeah, the villager who goes onto the roof to confront the monster to get close to him, he approaches the monster. The monster just kind of winds up doing this this really weird looking punch and knocks him over the bridge. I love this scene. This is my favorite scene of the movie. I love it because it's all shot in the little Europe section of Universal Studios uh-huh. in that Court of Miracles area. And it looks pretty much the same today. Yep. That little bridge, I think it's the same one, is still there. I look at it every time we go on the studio tour. And in fact, when I was interning at Universal in college, I used to take the golf cart out to the back lot and I would go to the little Europe section and I parked there and I would walk in those areas. And I remember I was walking in the buildings, which are just shells, but I'd find stairs that would lead to the roof. And I kept thinking to myself, God, this must be the same passage that Lon Chaney took to get to the <laughs> to, to the roof for Ghost of Frankenstein. It was locked, but I, I tried my best to get to the roof. So I myself could be the Frankenstein monster. Imagine if you had fallen and then a tram just drives by and they're like, oh, that's it. Yeah, well. So instead, I just walked around like Frankenstein. <laughs> he ends up helping the girl retrieve her ball. And her father that's down below asks her to ask the monster to bring her back down and that they won't harm him. Yeah. So she politely asks and the, um, the monster pretty much just takes her back down. Yeah. Take me down. My daddy says no one will hurt you. As soon as they get back down there, the police seize the monster and they, they take him into custody. Yeah. Well, I feel bad for the monster here because he hands the girl back to her father and then he scurries away with her and the monster starts to follow them like he wants to come too he wants to live with them yeah but he gets attacked by all these people and Igor's upset because they said they told the monster that no one would hurt him and he says no you said you wouldn't hurt him yeah everyone in this movie's a liar but whatever <laughs> and next we're with a man in a little buggy that shows up at Ludwig's home he meets Elsa who is Ludwig's daughter Elsa. and his name is Eric it's pretty much implied if not I believe explicitly said at some point that they do have some sort of a relationship 
Yeah, they're together. Okay. Eric wants Ludwig to come to the village to take a look at who they're calling a lunatic or a disturbed person. They don't yeah. call him the monster, but it's the monster. A madman. That's what they keep calling him. Doctor, we have a madman in the jail. I'd like you to come down and examine him and advise us. Igor, at the same time, pays Ludwig a visit right after the doctor agrees to go check him out later. Mm -hmm. And then Igor shows up. He tells him that he can help the monster. The doctor doesn't want any part of this. And then Igor threatens to blackmail him by revealing the history of the monster and the Frankenstein family. Yeah, Ludwig doesn't want anyone to know about what his father did. Mm Mm-hmm creating the monster from pieces of dead buddies and that's what igor threatens yep he wouldn't want me to tell them that you the son of the frankenstein had created him igor leaves and as he's leaving he leaves after dr frankenstein says he'll help igor yes. mm-hmm. and Sorry. uh bring the monster back with him oh yeah from the precinct got yeah. it Igor leaves and on his way out, he encounters Elsa and kind of like just gives her a creepy vibe. Yeah, but a he's leery just a, look. He's a creepy dude in general. Ludwig then goes to his study and has a really neat shelf with fake books <laughs> yeah. that, ha- that house a giant book behind it. Yeah, you hide books and books. It's Dr. Frankenstein's diary, which he's keeping hidden, but it's written by Wolf. No, there's there's two books. Oh. There is the diary written by Baron Heinrich Frankenstein, which mm-hmm. is the original Dr. Frankenstein. And then there's another book, uh, which are the notes that Wolf took oh. from Son of Frankenstein. Gotcha. Elsa arrives as he's pulling out this book and looking at it. She arrives to ask about Igor and says that that man just really creeped her out and he knows something and he tells her not to worry about him so now we're at the town courthouse yeah the monster's on trial he is and eric is holding a sort of like hearing yeah questioning the monster but of course the monster is not going to reply because again we for some reason we've reverted they've decided that he's not going to speak right yeah So he just does not reply, and no one can really communicate with him. Mm -hmm. However, the little girl has shown up because the townspeople are kind of crowding in as well. Mm -hmm. And she is at the court, and she walks up to the monster and tries to get him to answer some of her questions. What's your name? Where you live? Everyone around her starts commenting that she has some sort of influence over the monster. Mm -hmm. Ludwig arrives... And they they take away the little girl, which, by the way, in this movie, famously, for me at least, this little girl is very unceremoniously removed from things. So I get a little <laughs> confused. I'm like, wait a minute. Did we just abandon her? And then it yeah, turns they just, out. Someone, someone just carries her they off. They just sweep her away. Ludwig arrives and goes to inspect the monster, who seems to recognize him. And they have a very tense interaction or, you know, there's yeah. just a lot of tension between the two of them. He seems to recognize you, Dr. Frankenstein. I like when the monster does recognize him and he smiles like, yes, you know me. And then Ludwig says, I never saw this man before in my life. Which causes the monster to really rage out and uh, break free of the restraints that they have him in. Yeah, he broke through all the chains. He goes to attack 
Ludwig, who is giving him a death stare, like I wish you would. But Igor is there, and he plays his weird little horn, which <laughs> causes the monster to stop doing what he's doing. Yeah, Igor is right outside the window, uh, playing his horn, and the monster stops and follows the music, so he just goes out the window towards yep. Igor. They escape. Elsa's back at home, and there's now there's like a gnarly storm. A terrific storm. And she's waiting for her father. She goes into the study and she sees the diary and she opens up the diary, which I really like how they did this. And it's the diary of Dr. Frankenstein. And you get this text of what he did when he first created the monster. Mm -hmm. And in that block of text, we see clips from the first movie. The monster, though, is replaced instead of it being... Boris Karloff, it is now Lon Chaney's yeah. monster. Yeah, it's all these shots from the original Frankenstein, so now we have Dwight Fry again mm-hmm. in, a, in a different role. Uh, they do have some shots from Bride of Frankenstein as well. There isn't a shot of the monster's face being unwrapped in the original Frankenstein, so they threw that in there and they had it be Lon Chaney for continuity purposes, but in this shot in particular, Lon Chaney looks so chubby. <laughs> He's a very... It's, I mean, we are we're so used to seeing the very gaunt Boris Karloff, yeah. where, you know, very, very gaunt. And his eyes are so particular. And that's not reflected in the Lon Chaney one. Yeah. Lon, he's a much stockier built person, especially yeah. in his face. Yeah. So it's just, it's different. And I think we talked about it. It's not my favorite. <laughs> um, and I think I was also just like, I just ignored just the build of... Lon Chaney and then Mm -hmm. I just don't like the heavy lids like the lids are too heavy like he doesn't have any eyes I mean Boris had heavy lids as well but with Lon Chaney and especially Glenn Strange when he played the monster it's almost as if you can't see their eyes at all yeah Yeah. it's just it's not it's just it's not a good design and it's well it's not a bad design but it's not my favorite design and also on one side it did look and I saw the pictures that we have for this movie and it just looks like it's a mask pulled over, but I think it's like a seam, like a something along his chin. Oh yeah, area. he has a he has a scar that goes along yeah. his jaw. I don't like it. It makes it look like it's a mask. I was very yeah. Confused and that. the Boris Karloff monster has that as well. Yeah, but, but it's more seamlessly right put in. What I like about this montage also is the music because mm. it's it's the Wolfman music of oh. you know when he attacks Richardson. <laughs> oh, okay. She's startled and upset by what she's reading, but she keeps reading and a shadow comes over her. It's the monster and Igor who are outside the window. And yeah. I love that her immediate response is to close the curtains yeah. and then she goes to lock the well, door. After she screams. Yes, of course. <laughs> yeah, I love that shot. If we ever got a big house, I'd love love to have a cutout of them to be in the window. So he's looking in. Oh my gosh. Her father arrives and she tells them that she saw the monster outside. And Nonsense. Of course, always. They end up breaking into the house. And the monster attacks the younger doctor, Dr. Kettering. Kettering. And Igor tries to lure him away and... But the monster's really doing its own thing. He then kind of abducts, not kind of, he grabs Elsa 
and tries to get away with her. What's funny is Elsa and Dr. Frankenstein, they're going through the halls trying to get away or seeing what's going on because they heard the screaming, you know, from the doctor. Mm -hmm. And all of a sudden, the monster appears. The monster is behind Elsa. And Dr. Frankenstein keeps saying, like, Elsa, go back, go back. But he should have said, come towards me, not yeah. go back to the monster. <laughs> Elsa, go back. Go back! <laughs> Ludwig ends up trapping the monster and Elsa in a room that he then... And Igor. And Igor. That he then fills with like a sulfuric gas. Yeah. They love sulfur in these movies. And... Elsa ends up passing out. The monster tries to escape and resist it. And I really like how he he really struggles against it. But eventually he succumbs to this. And then they have a really neat effect where pretty much they just ran all of this footage of the gas filling up, but in reverse. (laughs) Because they're pulling it all out of their room. Yeah, he uh, puts uh, the vacuum on to suck it all in. Yeah, it's just reverse. He calls Dr. Bomer. Bomer over to help grab Elsa. And as he's taking Elsa up to the room, Dr. Bomer looks over and sees the monster and seems a little freaked out by it. Elsa is now in her room and wakes up. Ludwig tells her that the young doctor is dead and tells her that he tried to keep the knowledge of the monster and the incident that created him away from her. Right. He needs to find a way to keep her safe, and he decides that he needs to destroy the monster. He's able to keep it sedated until Bomer arrives. So now we're back with him in his laboratory. He tells Bomer that he needs him to help him destroy the monster, and it'll be the same way that he was put together. He was put together piece by piece, so they'll need to pretty much take him apart. Dissection, bit by bit piece by piece, just as my father created it. Bomer says that it's murder because the monster does have a brain yeah. and was made up of people and is a living creature, yeah. which I find this really weird that Bomer's like, why wouldn't he just be like, yeah, let's, let's take this <laughs> apart. Like, it's a science experiment that did not work out. Yeah. But whatever. But yeah, he's against it. And, and he uh, says he can't help. Dr. Frankenstein, his excuse is it's not murder if it's not human, mm-hmm. which... You can murder an animal. What are you talking about? (laughs) Ludwig then uh, says that he has to do it by himself. As he's trying to figure out what to do, he is visited by his father's ghost. The ghost of Frankenstein. Which, here we go. Yeah. And I wish they got a Colin Clive lookalike. Me too. (laughs) Or something that looked more like him. This is just Sir Cedric Hardwick again, and they took his mustache off. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, just ripped that little thing off. Um, He's telling him that he can't destroy his creation. And he tells him what his mistake was with it, was unknowingly giving it a criminal brain. Yeah. And then pretty much just tells him that he should be able to... He's a successful brain transplant surgeon. Mm -hmm. He should be able to put a good brain into the monster and remove the bad brain. So that should change it. What if it had another brain? So Ludwig is 100% convinced that this is what he needs to do. And he calls the doctor back to help him. He wants to put the young doctor's brain into the monster's body. Mm -hmm. And when he tells Igor this, Igor is very upset. Yeah, it's funny. He's like, no, you'll make him your friend. But he's my friend. Yeah, he's just like... (laughs) 
Yep, he thinks that the monster will leave him and he tries to get the doctor to put his brain into the monster's body. You can put my brain in his body. Your brain. Ludwig tells him that that would be an awful idea because the monster is very powerful and Igor is sly and cunning and that's just not a good combination. That would be a monster indeed. He says that the other doctor, the young doctor that died, his brain will be it. And then we get a bunch of, I put down, science stuff. (laughs) And now we're with Elsa and Ludwig. She says that her father seems a little off and like there's a cloud over him. She's mad that he's changed his mind about destroying this monster and she can definitely see that he's a little changed yeah um they plan to operate that evening igor is trying to explain to the monster what's going to happen so they're in a little room like a secret room in the dungeon and the monster's just standing there in this little cubby and igor is very loudly explaining to him that he's going to get a new brain and ludwig comes down to visit the monster the monster goes to attack him but doesn't well it looks like he's about to attack him and he raises his arms and he just puts it on his shoulders and pats his shoulders because as Igor says it's the first time he's happy in his life knowing that he's going to get a new brain can't you see he's the first time happy in his life Yep, he tells him that the monster is ready. Igor is now talking to Dr. Bummer and trying to convince him to not put the other doctor's brain in and tells him to put Igor's brain in. I like this scene, Dr. Bomer refers to Igor as old crooked neck. (laughs) How would you like to be the leader of your profession in this state? The head of the medical commission, the regent of the university, you weave a pretty fairy tale, Crooked Neck. It's very funny because he really has nothing to offer the doctor except that once his brain is in the monster's body, he would then be unstoppable and he could pretty much get the doctor anything. Yeah, he'll rule the world once Which he's the monster. Ridiculous. Because <laughs> they have a strength of a hundred men. Um, but the doctor totally agrees to this. Now <laughs> he, like he's like, Yeah, that sounds good. Um, which I think is real dumb, but that's fine. Now we're with the constable and Eric who have come to the home and they are looking for the young doctor. Ludwig tells them that the doctor has gone and that he like suddenly took a train out that morning or something. Mm -hmm. And then Eric calls him out on that and he's like, well, the constable was there. Did you see anything? And the constable's like, no, he didn't get on any train. He also says that the monster or the madman that they had earlier that escaped, they can't find him anywhere. And he starts to pretty much say that he thinks that Ludwig is hiding the man in his home and that he knows exactly what happened to the young doctor. Coupled with no one seeing the young doctor leaving, they want to search his home because like the stories aren't lining up. So Mm. finally, the doctor says, fine, go ahead and search it. He doesn't say fine. He tells him that if you want to search, you will not be welcome here again. That's right. And then Eric says something to the effect of because he wasn't on that train, I have to chance that. So Mm -hmm. take me through the castle, doctor. Yeah, thank you. I shall have to risk your displeasure, doctor. We will search the premises. They end up going into... I love how he has, like, this chateau, and at one point, Eric's like, don't you have, like, this old dungeon? 
<laughs> and uh, Ludwig's like, yes, I do, and takes him down there. And they're able to find the secret passageway in the lab that leads down to the dungeon. And then they find the hidden room. Mm-hmm. But when they get there, the room is empty now. Eric notes, though, that it was used recently. Recently occupied. Yeah. Yeah. He's able to explain that away, saying, well, you know what I do, and I do keep my more dangerous subjects in this room. Yeah, he said he always keeps it ready at a moment's notice. Yeah. You're familiar with my work. I keep this room ready at all times for the more violently insane. Now we're back with the monster, and the monster's in the village, and he's going to, somehow he knows where the little girl lives, and he finds her sleeping. He uh, is back at the same spot where he first met her, where she was playing with that ball. So he probably was looking in the windows, you know, in all the houses around there looking for her. Maybe. He finds her and he wakes her up and she sees him, but she's not afraid. Yeah, there's this beautiful glamour shot of her looking in the <laughs> monster's eyes. She looks so cozy in bed. <laughs> she looks terribly cozy. We see that he's going to go grab her out of bed and Igor is playing his horn to summon him. He picks her up and uh, takes her out of the house. And as he's leaving, he sees her ball on the table next to an oil lamp, grabs that ball and accidentally knocks that oil lamp over, which then spills onto the ground and sets a little fire. A big fire. Well, I mean, it's a little fire to us. Later (laughs) on, we find out it's a big fire. They go back to the house and Bomer sees them with the little girl. He's like, he doesn't understand. Like the little girl complicates the matters that they have to take care of. Mm-hmm. Igor then says that he didn't know that this was what the monster was going to do. And he kind of couldn't control the monster doing that. Why did you let him get away? Let him. Do you think I had any idea what he was going to do? That I could stop him. Which is weird because this whole time he's saying that he can control the monster. Yeah, I mean, I guess he can to a degree, but if the monster really wants something, he'll yeah. just do it. He needs to communicate with the monster to put the little girl down. Igor tells the monster that he'll give the doctor uh, Ludwig his brain to put into the monster. And yeah. the monster does not like this. Yeah, he's very upset. And Igor, he has a great line. He says, tonight, Igor will die for you. <laughs> tonight, Igor will die for you. And yeah, he is not happy. No. So they go into this room. Like, there's so many weird chambers, I think, it's in this house. Um, but yeah, I think, this is, is this the lab? This is where he turned the gas on. Okay, the gas room. And (laughs) Igor ends up being trapped behind a door. The monster's trying to get to Dr. Frankenstein with the little girl. Mm -hmm. And Igor's trying to stop him so he can take the little girl away. So he quickly gets in front of the door and the monster just crushes him behind that door. Yep, he really crushes him. Elsa and Ludwig see the monster with the little girl. And the monster communicates that he wants the child's brain to be put into his body. He wants the brain of that child. Yeah, he takes his hand and touches the little girl's forehead and then touches his own forehead twice Mm -hmm. to show he wants her brain in his. I mean, it's kind of weird. Why would he want her brain? Yeah, it doesn't make sense. (laughs) But I guess he wants to be one with her. I guess. Or like he just wants her innocence and... I guess. Can you imagine if he actually became the little girl? (laughs) I feel like it would be almost like a Herman Munster situation. (laughs) The little girl asks to go home and the monster doesn't really respond to that but elsa goes to grab the little girl from the monster and the monster goes to hit elsa 
but he stopped by Ludwig. Again, Ludwig has like a real, I wish you would look on, on him when he just kind of stares at the monster and it kind of polarizes him for like a second. <laughs> yeah. The monster gives the little girl to Ludwig who then locks her away in a room with Elsa. Now it's operation time. They don't say how they subdued the monster. They don't show it, but all of a sudden somehow they did and now it's time for the operation. Um, Bomer goes to collect the brain from Igor who is dying after the attack in a room that's right next to it's adjacent to the operation room yep we get this really great little passage of time of bomer removing this brain from igor mm-hmm. when he's going in i believe he gets some warnings from ludwig regarding the brain and to not like basically mess this up mm-hmm. so of course he comes with his own sinister plan with a <laughs> BS brain. So Ludwig thinks that this is the young doctor's brain and they proceed with their brain transplant. Back at the village, it's been two weeks and the villagers are talking about the little girl. It turns out that her house burned down and when they went to go look at the ashes, her body was not there. They presumed that she had died and perished in this fire. But her father doesn't believe it. Nope because there was none of her remnants there. He tells everyone that she was stolen and that whoever stole her burnt the house down. He says that Ludwig is the only person who would protect or harbor this madman, the monster. Mm -hmm. And so they gotta go over there. Strike up the torches. Yeah, time for that stuff. They decide that they're gonna storm up to the chateau. Eric tries to calm down this mob and he says that he'll talk to Ludwig and if Ludwig does not give him any information and does not comply, then they can storm the house. Let me have a few moments alone with Dr. Frankenstein. If he's concealing this monster, he must be made to give him up. If he refuses, you can take any action you want to. Does that sound fair to you, men? So they're like... That sounds fair to the men. Yeah, they're like, that's cool, we'll give you that chance. Eric talks to Ludwig and wants more information he wants like the actual what happened to the young doctor um, because things are not adding up for him ludwig then agrees to show him exactly what happened yeah well well, he first tells him what happened that dr kettering was killed by the monster and he says but it's all right because we're gonna put his brain in the monster like that'll redeem everything and everything's fine with that and it's crazy to think that i mean he does say that will dr kettering come back and thank us or be upset that we put him in the body of the monster i mean yeah probably be upset he takes him to a room where dr bomer is watching the monster who is recovering really, really well. That's where he ends up telling him that they swapped out the brain and that now the monster is a good person. Mm-hmm. He gets the monster to talk and asks him to speak. So he's with Eric in the room and they're going to show that this was a successful operation. And the first thing he says to the monster is, tell me, do you know who I am? And then you hear, you are Dr. Frankenstein. But... You are Dr. Kettering. I am not Dr. Kettering. I am Igor. Yeah, we get Igor's voice, and Ludwig is horrified. I am Igor. (laughs) Yeah, it's Lon Chaney as the monster with Bela Lugosi's voice. Yeah, he then goes to confront Dr. Bomer, and Igor Monster steps between them. Bomer, this is your work. Don't touch him, Frankenstein. He's my friend. 
Meanwhile, the villagers are attacking the house. (laughs) (laughs) They're like, okay, we're done waiting. We're going to get up in there. And Igor wants to kill all of these people with the sulfur gas. Eric takes off to try to warn them, but of course it's a mob, so no one's gonna listen to what he's saying. Get back, get back, you may all be killed, they're turning on the gas! The monster is attacking Dr. Ludwig and goes blind. Well, before this, there's a really quick shot where Elsa and the little girl leave. That's right. I missed it, and you had to rewind it for me. After Eric warns everyone that they're going to turn on the gas, Elsa runs down the stairs with clothes steam, and someone grabs the little girl. And I don't understand why they've had this little girl for two weeks. I don't know either, but... Weird. (laughs) And she's still... I think she's in that blanket still. So that little girl's been wrapped up like a burrito in this house. (laughs) The monster is attacking Dr. Ludwig and starts to go blind. We can't see! Mother! Where are you? Here, here I am. Ludwig reveals that the blood type is wrong because they used the blood type for the young doctor. Yeah, the monster's blood type matched Kettering, but not Igor. So yeah. Igor is all upset saying, What good is a brain without eyes to see? What good is a brain without eyes to see? Well, he ends up saying that it won't feed the nerves. Yeah. And that's what upset, because I don't think Igor would understand what he means by that. Yeah. And Igor ends up screaming. Bomer talks to him and he's able to attack him and throw him against a big old control board, which ends up electrocuting him and killing Bomer. Yeah. The monster then blindly stumbles around and Dr. Ludwig previous to that had been attacked and kind of fell against some equipment as well. So Mm -hmm. he's on the ground. The monster's just trashing this lab because he can't see anything. Yeah, he's freaking out. Yeah, and the house burns down. Yeah, there's these really grotesque close-ups of the monster where at oh, one point skin. it's a it's a at one point it's a stunt double that's making these this w- really weird mouth. But then it's lawn and yeah, it's some neat burn makeup where his skin is peeling. Yeah. Like he's been in the sun for too long. And then he tries to leave through a window, but then the roof falls on him. Yeah. It's a whole thing, which I don't know how you would have found that window anyway if he's blind, but The whole house um, slowly but surely ends up getting engulfed in flames and it burns down and starts to collapse. Eric and Elsa are running from the property and then somehow they walk up a hill into a sunrise. Yeah, a beautiful sunrise, a new beginning. And then the movie ends. The end. (laughs) (laughs) That's Ghost of Frankenstein. That is Ghost of Frankenstein. I... I feel bad for Ludwig that he perished in that because he wasn't a bad doctor. He wasn't a horrible person, but you know what? The Frankenstein men keep mucking it up. Just <laughs> yeah. stop. Should have just stuck with the dissection. So what'd you think of the movie? It was okay. I, I did, It was okay. It's known as one of the lesser Frankensteins. I would say it is, obviously I still love it, but it's my second to least favorite Frankenstein movie. Wait, what's your least favorite? House of Dracula. Okay. But there still is a lot of stuff in this that I do like. I told you I like him in the sulfur. I like the the beginning where the castle's being blown up, the stuff in the, in the European village. And I feel like there's a lot of exposition for things that could be explained differently Mm -hmm. um and then there's no exposition for some stuff that i'm like wait a minute like this little girl being reunited with her father should have been it's such a pivotal moment for the villagers Mm -hmm. that it shouldn't have 
been lost in the crowd. Yeah, I guess leaving. So. This little girl had such an effect on like there's no not that there's no payoff, but there could have been a little bit more of a resolution. I don't know. I just and I got really frustrated watching this movie because there is history that is presented to us at the beginning. It's done so quickly so soon that I'm like, I don't know who they're talking about. <laughs> who are these people? I actually thought that I got some characters mixed up with each other. Yeah. And I had to, we had to stop and you had to explain who was who. Mm -hmm. And I did not understand. I still didn't. I was like, I feel like we're watching two different movies. Yeah. Well, the story of the movie is so ridiculous, but I just love, you know, the Frankenstein and Igor scenes. They're just fun. And it has that, just such a crazy ending with the monster <laughs> talking like Igor. Like, bonkers. It's funny that they went that way. It's but. bonkers that they decided, yeah, that that was what they were going to do with that. And then I did not need this map painting walk up the hill into the sunrise well, that's of how they always, Eric and Elsa. Yeah, they always try to attack on that happy ending. I guess. They honestly could have just ended on the house burning down. Yeah, yeah, they should have. But yeah, yeah, so that's Ghost of Frankenstein. Yeah. Let's talk about the making of Ghost of Frankenstein. Let us... All right, The Ghost of Frankenstein, 1942, Universal Pictures. This is the fourth Frankenstein movie. Mm -hmm. So let's talk a little bit about the original title. Okay. This movie went through several different titles before they ended up with Ghost of Frankenstein. Mm -hmm. You tell me if you like the title. How okay. about this one? The first one was The Secret of Frankenstein. No. The second one was called Destiny. No. It's funny, Destiny is a title that I think Universal just used for movies in production, because at one time Wolfman was called Destiny, and House of Frankenstein was called <laughs> Destiny. <laughs> After that, it would have been the daughter of Frankenstein. Okay, well... After that, the title was There Is Always Tomorrow. No. <laughs> and finally, we get Ghost of Frankenstein. I guess that's the best. Yeah. In the original script for the movie, it wasn't going to star the second son of Frankenstein. Mm -hmm. It was going to star Wolf von Frankenstein again. Oh. But Basil Rathbone wasn't available to return. Oh, I'm surprised that that stopped them. Yeah, so, well, <laughs> they had to change the script, I guess, because he was a big star. You know, he was the top build star of Son of Frankenstein. Uh-huh. So in that one, it would have been basically the same movie, but Wolf von Frankenstein would have moved to Viseria to run a sanitarium, and then Igor the monster would catch up with him and pretty much play out the way that it is. Okay. But one thing that was kind of interesting was instead of Bomer, before he was written in there, Wolf would have had a hunched back assistant named Theodore who befriends Igor. And then Igor and Theodore wanted to make a mob of these miscreants and, and freaks, I guess, uh, and it would be led by the monster. So it'd be like this army of the Frankenstein monster and all the hunched back assistants in the world. Interesting. <laughs> I think that would have been kind of neat, but mm. <laughs> that was the idea of the original script. Like an Avengers Assembled situation. <laughs> yeah, all in honor of Fritz. <laughs> <laughs> Shooting began for this movie on December 15th, 1941. The movie stars Lon Chaney as the Frankenstein monster. He had a lot of pressure on him in this movie for two reasons. One, 
one being because he's the son of Lon Chaney mm-hmm. and he's always trying to live up to that. Two, this is the first time someone other than Boris Karloff has played the monster. So the, all eyes were on Lon Chaney to see how he would play the monster because yeah. Karloff was the biggest horror star in the world and the monster was his biggest creation. He said he would never come back to play the monster because he felt he got the most out of it in three movies, that there was nothing left for this character. And at this point, Karloff wasn't even making horror movies anymore. He went to Broadway and was starring uh, in Arsenic and Old Lace. Okay. So the studio now, you know, they wanted to build Lon Chaney up into a star, and they started to, and they did, you know, with the Wolfman being the biggest of them. And while he was making the Wolfman, he got the part for the Frankenstein monster to take over. Here are his thoughts about the pressure of living up to his father and Boris Karloff. It was tough enough with the ghost of dad floating around Universal, but when I had to take over the part of the Frankenstein monster from Boris Karloff, the pressure was on. Mm. So you see, he was stressed about it. (laughs) (laughs) There's a photo I showed you earlier today where the monster is on the Phantom of the Opera stage Mm -hmm. with a picture of the Phantom of the Opera in the background. Yeah, They did that that little photo shoot of the monster in the Phantom stage, you know, because of Lon Chaney Jr. and Sr., you know, being together at the same studio, which again, Lon Jr. didn't really like because he never liked being compared to his father because mostly everyone always said he wasn't as good, but it was such a different time period. That's so mean. Yeah. But also, it's just such a different time period, you know, being the silent movies of Lon Chaney Sr.'s days compared to the 1940s. Ralph Bellamy, who plays Eric, he said that Lon would get so into character that he really believed he was as strong as 10 men, (laughs) like the monster. And there was one scene that truly scared Ralph Bellamy, which was uh, the climax where the monster is now blind and he's breaking through the door and stuff, trying to get through. And Lon, like he pulled the door off the hinges. It was just supposed to break, but he like pulled the whole thing off and was just going mad and really freaked Ralph. Bellamy out because you know Lon was a huge guy and I think he was 6'9 in the costume. Oh yeah because he had the little platforms. Yeah. As you might know from the Wolfman episode where we talked about Lon Chaney he was a heavy drinker and he would be trouble later in the day so they knew they would have to shoot as much as they could earlier in the day because he would be too hard to handle. Throughout the shooting he would sneak off the set and he'd have a little flask he'd like go outside the soundstage and be Frankenstein drinking out of the flask and then go back in to shoot the sets for the movie were done by Jack Otterston who who also did Son of Frankenstein it's just such a different look than Son of Frankenstein was Mm -hmm. but the sets were still pretty massive the whole gas chamber area with those hallways there's quite a few hallways in fact one time Lon Chaney was really drunk playing the monster and he was in the gas chamber area in those hallways and he got lost and he couldn't find his way out and the crew is no more than 50 feet away from him and they're yelling come this way Lon this way trying to guide him out it took him over 10 minutes to find his way out of the set it's crazy (laughs) Which, it's funny because... Maybe because he couldn't see because of those little, the little hood. <laughs> Maybe. There's another thing called Tales of Tomorrow, I believe it's called, which was a 50s TV show that went live and Lon Chaney was to play the Frankenstein monster. Uh, it wasn't made by Universal, so he didn't look the same, but he had another oh. 
incident on that one with drinking, which was he was drinking beforehand and they did a rehearsal and then they were doing the live show, but he thought it was still a rehearsal. So during the actual live show, he's supposed to be picking up a chair and throwing it and stuff, but he just picks up the chair and then gently puts puts it down. (laughs) It's it's kind of funny to see, but it's sad too. Yeah. Poor Lon. I mean, alcoholism is a disease, right? Yeah. Uh, Sir Cedric Hardwick, he plays Ludwig Frankenstein and the ghost of Frankenstein. Mm. Heinrich Frankenstein. We remember him from Invisible Man Returns. And we have Ralph Bellamy as Eric. We remember him from The Wolfman playing Paul Munford. And uh, remember I told you he was on Trading Places. Mm -hmm. We have Lionel Atwell returning, but this time as Dr. Bomer. He was previously Inspector Krogh in Son of Frankenstein. We have Bela Lugosi returning as Igor in, I think Igor is his greatest role, he doesn't have as much to do in this one as he does in Son of Frankenstein. And also the makeup had changed since Son of Frankenstein. In Son of Frankenstein, he had kind of had fangs and these gnarly teeth. And uh-huh. he didn't have that in Ghost of Frankenstein. And also his beard looked more like a fake beard in Ghost of Frankenstein. I think they sort of rushed his makeup in this one a little cheapened bit. Cheapened it. Didn't give it the appropriate budget. Yeah. And then we have... Evelyn Anchors as Elsa Frankenstein. Mm -hmm. Again, she played Gwen Cunliffe in The Wolfman. Then we have Janet Ann Gallo as Cloestine, the little girl. She was four years old at the time. That's a four-year-old? Yeah. I have no concept of what children look like at what age. (laughs) How old did you think she was? I don't know. Six, seven. (laughs) She developed a friendship with Lon Chaney, and they were very close, and they kept in touch for years after all that. In fact, when she was eight years old, her mom passed away, Mm. and Lon Chaney called her father asking if he and his wife could adopt her and her brother. Man, okay, he just wants to take anything, right? Because he tried to take a dog. (laughs) during Wolfman. Well, the dog was just kind of a a work dog. It wasn't anyone's dog. But still, Lon Chaney collected that dog. And so, I'm sorry, he tried to adopt these children. He really loved them and he wanted to adopt them. He had kids of his own from his first marriage, but during this marriage he was in, he didn't have any kids and they wanted kids. And he wanted them to have a mother to grow up with. Mm -hmm. So he offered, but of course the father said no. Mm. So she was not adopted by Lon Chaney. She still is around today. In fact, she's usually at Monster Palooza when we go. Signing autographs. The makeup was done by Jack Pierce again. Mm -hmm. He created the original Frankenstein. And like in the original Frankenstein, remember we talked about how when Boris Karloff would leave the soundstage, he had to wear a hood over his head? Uh So they made Lon Chaney do that also, which they didn't do for Bride or Son, but they did it for Lon because of the civilians or the people that weren't working on the movie. They didn't want to see him. And I think... The biggest reason they did that was because this was 1942 during World War II and they didn't want any reminders of something horrific like that or people returning with injuries that could be horrific, you know, things like that. But let me tell you a little bit about the makeup process for Ghost of Frankenstein for Lon. Okay. In his words. Okay. For Ghost of Frankenstein, I had to be in the makeup for the total shoot. In the beginning, they even had me covered in mud and plaster to simulate the dried sulfur when Bela Lugosi found me under the castle. 
If that wasn't rotten enough, I must have been allergic to the monster's headpiece or the glue, because I broke out in a rash under that gray-green grease paint, and I started to itch all down my back and around my forehead and scalp. The makeup men refused to take off the headpiece without Pierce's permission, and no one else would help. So I tried to take it off myself, and part of my forehead came off with it. Yeah, he was <laughs> he was allergic and just couldn't stand it anymore. So he just pulled the thing off, and you can't do that without putting like the proper chemicals to yeah. get that off your face. So he got this really big gash in his forehead and blood dripping all down his face. Wow. And I think the shooting stopped for a couple of days until he healed up. Jack Pierce and Lon Chaney did not get along. There's lots of stories how Jack didn't like Lon's attitude, and Jack was very strict. When asked many years later if he liked working with Lon Chaney, Jack Pierce said, yes and no. That's all I could say. (laughs) (laughs) I want to talk a little bit about the music for this movie. This music, uh, it does have cues from the Wolfman. Mm -hmm. And remember I told you one of the composers on the Wolfman was Hans J. Salter. Well, he did this movie, and this is the first Universal movie that he fully scored all by himself. It's a great score. I love it. And Salter said that the score was based around the theme of Igor's horn. So everything kind of has these horn elements. Okay. The filming for the movie wrapped on January 15th, 1942. The studio was really worried how the movie would do without Karloff. Because, you know, again, this is the first time they're making a Frankenstein movie without its star. Mm -hmm. But... Early reviews were good, so that kind of calmed them down. It opened on April 3rd, 1942. Here are some reviews of the time. The Hollywood Reporter says, Nothing will kill Frankenstein's monster, which is, of course, to the monstrous delight of Universal. This latest is called The Ghost of Frankenstein, and inventively stands on an imaginative par with all of its interest-gripping quasi-scientific predecessors. Earl C. Kenton's direction makes magnificent use of every element of suspense, and Lon Chaney, having dropped the junior, comes into his traditional own as the giant monster. The cast is definitely above average. Hardwick plays the third of the Frankenstein scientists and acquits himself with honor. Jack P. Pierce duplicates everything he devised for the first Frankenstein in making up Chaney in the image of Karloff. Uh, There are some other good reviews, but there was one bad review. Ooh, give it to me. Let me hear it. New York Times says, Don't look now, gentle reader, but Frankenstein's monster is loose again. Gorgons, hydras, and chimeras dire. Aren't there enough monsters loose in the world without that horrendous ruffian mauling and crushing actors? The thought that he may yet return for further adventures with this body in Lugosi's sconce fills us with mortal terror. That is the most fearful prospect which the picture manages to convey. So they weren't too happy about Gustav Frankenstein. Yeah. But it did become a hit. did very well. There were a couple of deleted scenes. One that they set up for but didn't use, I think, because they changed the script. Back when they were doing the first script with Theodore, uh, you know, the hunchback assistant and Igor mm-hmm. uh, getting together, I guess Igor's brain wouldn't have gone into the monster. So they actually built a morgue set and Igor and Theodore were going to go into this morgue and steal body parts and a brain for the monster. Okay. Earlier in the movie, when they are having the discussion in the town of Frankenstein about what to do with the castle, there's publicity stills of Igor looking through the skylight watching the beating, which wasn't in the movie, but that was something that at one point was filmed. 
And then the final thing I want to say is someone recently found newly discovered footage, which I thought was very interesting because I, with these Universal Monster movies, you think you've seen everything, but yeah, then all of a sudden something is new after 75 years. Well, someone found an old episode of the Steve Allen show, and I think it was a Halloween episode. They were showing clips of monster movies, and there's this one clip of the burned-up monster roaming the countryside with the castle on fire behind him, like he escaped the castle and oh, was wow. walking. Uh-huh. No one knows where that came from. There's some publicity stills of that scene, but everyone thought that was just for a photo, but it actually looks like they filmed something with the monster escaping, so I really wonder what that is. Uh-huh. I'm always hoping for uh, more answers and more footage to be released of all my favorite movies. It's very neat to find that stuff. But that's the little story of The Ghost of Frankenstein. Very nice. Thank you. Hope you enjoyed that. I did. I think I enjoyed that more than the movie. Ah, ha, ha. How dare you? Um, you know. It's a good picture. Wrap it up, Anthea. You can find us at podsandmonsters.com, on Instagram at Pods and Monsters Podcast, and on Facebook and Twitter at Pods and Monsters. If you have any suggestions or requests for future episodes, you can email us at podsandmonsters at gmail.com. And if you would be so awesome as to leave a review if you're enjoying our podcast, please rate and review us on iTunes. It really helps us out. And please share with your friends, your family, everyone. Oh, I guess a Rondo Award update. We didn't get any. (laughs) That's okay. Maybe next time. Yeah, maybe next time. Thanks to anyone who took a moment to vote for us, though. Yeah, thank you so much. So that's it. Goes to Frankenstein. That's it. For Pods of Monsters, I'm Robert. I'm Inthea. And we'll see you all a little later. Hope you guys are having a nice, safe COVID uh, uh, thing. COVID-free day (laughs) yeah definitely covid free day yeah and we'll see you for the next monster movie goodbye goodbye goodbye